an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors, that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod. Or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Now entering Nerdist.com. Make sure we're working. Oh yeah, that's facing you. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking warm in here. It is warm. In it here. is warm in here. I wonder, is there any way? I think it's. There are a lot of sound controls, but no climate controls. I think the. Really? I, I think, think it's the, a building thing, not a. Room on the, on the weekend, thing. I think yeah, on the you weekend. Know what that is. Yeah. They just want to switch out. On the weekend, they don't want you hanging out too long, so they. <laughs> uh, yeah, the worst is being in an edit bay on the weekend because it's just fucking having the avid in there just heats up everything. <sighs> fucking shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been stuck doing that before. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> You're sitting in the tiny little room sweating like, oh, I don't care. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I get some. Are we recording already? We are. You're amazing. You always start, and then I don't know that we've started. Yeah. And then I always go, are we recording? And then that's I apparently go, the yeah. way we start every... That's basically the intro song. <laughs> it is. Oh, are we recording now? Uh, Rob Zombie's here on the podcast. Hey. Did we start yet? Yeah, we've already started. Uh, we've dragged you into the fabulous Comcast boardroom. It's actually much nicer than I thought it would be. <laughs> it sounds kind of shitty. I know it does. But it actually, it's pretty nice. You know, it's still. <laughs> listen, the, it, like podcast. Well, this is, isn't the glass one. No, this isn't the glass room. Sometimes we're recording a glass room, and it sounds like you're in a goddamn echo chamber. Do people watch you, like the Today Show? <laughs> they wave in the background. Yep. People, signs. People, it's my birthday. Yeah. People signs that say, uh, we don't yeah. know you. Yeah, people with jetpacks and people who can levitate. Uh, telekinetics hover outside the window yeah. when we wave yeah. to them. Um, you, you know, it's funny, because I mean, like, podcasting now is... It's just it's just a great like a lot of people do it. There's some great podcasts out there, but still for some reason when you ask someone to do your podcast, I always just feel weenie when I'm asking. I wish I could come up with a different name. <laughs> feel weenie. You want to do my show? You want to do our internet radio show? Oh, that's that sounds worse. Yeah. worse. Yeah. That sounds yeah. way worse. Well, everyone does it because they feel bad. They go, "Ooh, Hardwick oh, sure has fallen on he hard times. Sure <laughs> he's only got a podcast he's, going he's, from he's now. He's dragging behind the entertainment truck. <laughs> yeah, I love it how it's like. You know, basically, it's like, "Oh, I hope that works out for you." No, it works out. We do it week to week. We have fun. We talk to people. Yeah, I hope it works out. Yeah, it's currently working out. Uh, Chris went through all the Terminator Three money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the day after he shot Terminator Three <laughs> at lunch. He, uh, he what was all the money on the ticket home from? What set? was your character's name? I remember they actually had a name like Doctor. Or something. Oh, I, I wish it was, was Doctor something. It was, something. It was Engineer Number Two. <laughs> I thought it was actual name. No, yeah. Doctor Engineer Number. Maybe two. I just imagined. But you that. made Skynet. What could be better? Uh, we don't know what's happening with all these robots. They, might, they should just call me Expositional Scientist Number Two. Here was a fun thing about about Terminator about getting the part in that movie was that it was the, the worst one. Well, it I'm not going to. Not yet. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't see Salvation. I didn't see Terminator. Salvation. I can't remember. But um, I uh, I had gone in. This I was I was really at the height of my doughy alcohol days. 
Uh, no, I believe that was House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> you know, it really worked for Jerry, though. Like yeah. be, being a fat drunk. Well, it really did work for me. some of the. I, I believe you actually didn't work for a couple weeks. Yeah. And came back. <laughs> yes. Fatter. I, I think maybe I did come back a little bit fatter. So if you do watch the movie as your character is being starved and tortured, he is actually getting fatter. I can say that my, now because you're slim and trim. So. My, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my character relies on. Oh, it's, that's so terrible to know that people thought about that back then. Like, there's probably a meeting where like, have them grow a beard and fatter. create the illusion of a jawline. <laughs> well, technically, when people are being tortured, they're going to store more fat because. You know, they're just going into a hibernation mode, exactly. Rob. Exactly. So that, I was just kidding. Thanks for playing it so real. It was a character yeah. choice on my part. No, they were also feeding you like the dream child of, you know, from Nightmare on Elm Street. That's where they right. They you, but yes. then they also tortured Those you. Those scenes were cut out. Well, that's what <laughs> that's what happened. So for Terminator 3, this is, it, I, I had gone in to audition for this, uh, this crappy movie called, like, Biker Boys or something, where it was basically like uh, Fast and the Furious on motorcycles, nice. which is I'm 100% sure how positive it? how it was pitched. Yeah. And so I go in, and uh, I don't look good at all. I'm doughy and blotchy, and I've got that curtain hair hanging down on my face. And um, and so I audition for to be a biker boy, and they're like, you know, I don't know. Hey, do you think you could play uh, like an engineer? <laughs> like it was so funny to go from. Hey, a sexy biker too. Well, how about a fat engineer? So you went into audition for the Biker Boys, and they were also casting Terminator Three at the same time. Yeah, and then so I got yeah. that. I got that small. Oh, I thought you meant an engineer on the bikes. No, 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 <laughs> no. Boy. There you go, Biker Boys. It's all fixed up, real nice, just like how you like it. <laughs> yeah. I was too fat to be a bike engineer, but not too fat to be a robot engineer. Oh, uh, robots, robots. So. Uh, yeah, uh, the corpses. The corpses shoot was fun, and then you shaved my head, and then that was the best part. Tore all the fa- my flesh off my body. I Do- still remember my the highlights for me are trying to do a life cast on you. Oh my god! And it was funny because some people get really claustrophobic and freak out when you put a life cast on them. Well, that's like everything. <laughs> I'm one, that I'm one that of guy. those guys. I did. I didn't realize it was going to happen. But uh, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that I big once, of a deal. I once heard Shia LaBeouf complaining about that at the Grove. What? Complaining about having to sit for another life cast. Why, why like, did they life cast him for the Grove? He's like, he's like, not for, not for the Grove, but oh, okay. at the Grove. And why he's are like, you that I'm close not, to him? I'm not, fucking, I'm, not, I'm not fucking doing another one. They can just use the one from Indiana Jones. And I was like, all right. The, and, he's, and you were like, yeah, all I said to you was hello. Enough. Yeah. Ten million dollars is not enough to get yeah. another life cast. Oh Jesus! Well, I well, what happens when you're like? I didn't realize it was going to be like that. They just say, oh, they're just going to put some you know paste on your face, and then it'll dry, and then you'll be fine. I'm like, all right. Well, first, they stick those straws in your nose, and then you immediately go, oh, something not breathe. awesome is about to happen. <laughs> and then they start pasting it on your face, and then it covers your eyes, and it's it's just, it's just as dark as you've ever seen. I mean, it's as dark as you've, you've ever perceived yeah. with your own eyes. And then, uh, and then so you start to sweat a little bit. You're like, okay, no, I think I can do this. Hey, Wayne, how long is this going to take? Yeah, I know, <laughs> Wayne Toth. And then he covered up my left ear. And it was it just went like deadly silent, like you're being so it's just held like underwater. Sensory deprivation. Complete sensory deprivation, and I have never felt so more claustrophobic in my life. I saw that they do they did that in the Little Chocolatiers, which is that uh, show uh, on TLC about the little people that run the chocolate shop. They, uh, <laughs> that they, sounds like a not real show. Is that real? It's, it's TLC. You know, it's like little it's kids. That the little, little channel. Pe- little people that have too many kids. It's like every show. Wow. But like, yeah, but they um they 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 like did a like a like a crown like like not a crown like they just molded his. Uh, his Little entire head. face, yeah. Why don't Why don't they have a, a midget dating show called Small Chance, and then uh, <laughs> and then you can go out with. Uh, I just recently I had an idea for uh, about a movie for an Indian baseball team that almost makes it to the big playoff game, but they don't make it. So it's called Close but No Sitar. <laughs> All right, how about this? Two <laughs> two this? <laughs> two mentally challenged twins open a casino in Vegas. Double downs. Come on, you hey guys. Uh, they, uh, I heard um, Mike Burns, I think, had this joke. Uh, it was um, they should call uh, people uh, that are obese that they should say that they have double uh, double down syndrome. Wow. Yeah. Not double double down syndrome. No, no, double downs is that's the new KFC. Uh, oh, that chicken, oh. chicken yep. Sammy. For people with Down syndrome, Sammy. right? That's what that sandwich is <laughs> exactly. for. Because you would people... have to be to put that in your body. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, so anyway, as as Wayne Toth was smearing all the stuff on my face, he said, you might get a little claustrophobic, so just let me know. And by the way, you only have to keep it on for like 10 minutes. And I couldn't do it. He covered up my left ear, and I was like, we're going to have to not do this anymore. And I wiped it off my face, like throwing it on the ground, and, uh, and had a little bit of a freak out. Yeah, because I remember calling him later. How'd it go with Chris? 
And he never wants to say anything. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but they still, he still, he still they, so basically he cast it in pieces and then put Did it he together. do it? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. There was that. And then the other thing was, remember we spent about 15 minutes getting you strapped down to the operating table? Oh, and then I had to pee. And then you had to pee. Oh, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah, All that the... beer had to come out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to make room somewhere. for more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can't get up. Can you guys grab me some whiskey? Can you just well? I'm on an operating table. Can you just stick in the IV and then just, just run, into my, my run into my arm? Well, that was fun because we that was the second that the whole experience of that movie was so fascinating to me. You called me in like the summer of '99, I think, and you're like, "Hey, Maybe, I'm yeah. I'm writing a movie, and uh, there's a character who's a sarcastic asshole, and I and you'll be perfect for it." <laughs> I'm like, awesome. <laughs> And then uh, I just I thought ah, it'll just be one of those It'll things. Never yeah, well, because so many times you know, like you talk to people and, the, and it's yeah. the, like you get caught up in the ideas and they sound great, and then for whatever reason, because the business is just a steeplechase of failure most of the time, it, stuff just doesn't happen. But it really did, and um, and you know, we made the movie for not a lot of money, and then Universal much, but... Universal gave you more, <laughs> and then you shot the second ending. Did you ever release the original ending on anything? No. I, I mean, I don't even know where anything is. It was one of those things that everyone's like, oh, you should put out the deluxe version, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who the hell knows where any of that film is? Oh, oh it's just gone? I don't know where that is. It's just all gone? I haven't. Oh, That's weird. Yeah. You found it at a Salvation Army, right? Yep, sure did. <laughs> I love What's in this dusty box? <laughs> I've actually had that happen before. Kids like, hey, look, I found the trailer at a yard sale on 35 millimeter. What the hell did you get that? Whose yard sale? Send it to me. Yeah, it's weird. But I love I love the idea that the studio would call you in and tell you you're spending too much money at a and you you say you would say like it's a lunch that they catered for like a thousand dollars that they were charging the production. Universal was funny. They didn't care about nothing. I mean, ever I didn't. You know when you ever if you ever get a job you don't know how good you have it till you don't have that job. Yeah, yeah. that was that place. We're like, oh, we need more trailers. Give us this. Like, I guess you just ask and it arrives. And every movie <laughs> since then's been like. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, but Universal just ble- that thing just was bleeding money, and then uh, and then they didn't release it because of the weird violence anti violence campaign. That was a weird time. Yeah, they didn't want anything to do with horror movies or anything, and then they suddenly did. Which did did us no good. Did they put out Hostel? No, but they had. I think they did Dawn of the Dead and everything else. Like they had, you know, once. But I mean, that was what. When have we did it? Two thousand or something? Yeah, we did it in two thousand. For that brief moment, no one seemed to give a crap about horror movies. And then for, it was and only, suddenly it was like a big boom again. Yeah, they, they all of a sudden started up, and then yeah. they got watered down like instantly. Like like Hostel came out, and everyone was, and then like everyone like talked about how like oh it's back, and then instantly I think the next year like there was like a whole LA Weekly thing is like torture porn horror is too much, isn't it? Like it's instantly <laughs> yeah. everyone gets tired of it so fast. Every time, no one like, told the Saw franchise. Yeah, <laughs> they're still making them. Yeah, I mean, they still haven't made as many Saws as they ever did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, they will. Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, they're at six now, right? Well, Friday the Thirteenth is eight. No, uh, ten if you count uh, Jason Jason And uh, when, Jason when you're working space. with that type of material, it's easier to. <laughs> yeah. Critters went to four. Jason yeah, in four space. critters. <laughs> so do you? Now you pretty much. I mean, I think the Universal thing was probably the best thing that could have happened. It worked like, out good. Like getting... it, I mean, you know what? That, that I like talking about it because it became like a George Lucas situation. We kind of had this master plan that we formed after the fact where first we thought, let's try to get someone else to buy the movie. But everyone didn't want it. But, so, which was, you know, whatever. That yeah. took a year and a half. Then we thought, like, well, I guess there are only chances to convince Universal that the movie is so incredibly worthless <laughs> that we can buy it back at a reasonable price. And it really went from like, well, we want our money back. We want $14 million for this thing. And I was like, well, we'll take 12. Well, we'll so- take 10. We'll take seven. And we're like, mm, better keep going. But, uh, but as the months went by and two years later, like, how's a hundred grand sound? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. It was some ridiculous number when we got it back and immediately sold it to the Lionsgate. Nice. So it was uh, basically it was the major league plan where you run the franchise into the ground so you could move the Pretty team. Pretty much, to yeah. And it was great because they're like, "Well, the merch is meaningless, so we won't get those yeah. Indians out of Cleveland." <laughs> it was good though; it worked out good. But it's funny though. That's a funny movie because now it's been long enough that you know when it came out, pretty much everyone hated it. You know, like, <laughs> and, you know they think they singled out your performance in particular as ruining. Did you use single that specifically? Oh, that's my new phone. Is that your phone? Which I guess I should have muted, but who cares? Classic ringtone, Rob. If the, uh, yeah, I don't know how to get it off there. But it doesn't. And I actually can't get it. I, I think a classical musician is trying to reach you on the telephone. 
Hold on. Imagine if, you could, imagine if you could ring through like that. Like That's Sherry, so she'll actually... They would say, start your ring over, now, over. and then you would just yell at the phone, and it would that would be playing. Like, if I was calling you, I'd be like, Chris, it's me. Answer. Chris, it's me. And that was... Oh, that wouldn't Let's be. Invent that, that. that wouldn't That's be remotely terrible. irritating. That is terrible. Actually, you yes. could do that. You, you could, could do that if you wanted to, because you can like uh, specifically have ringtones for people. No, no, I mean live, like a live ringtone. Oh, Meaning oh, so that, you're like, shouting when through. I call, right. I'm shouting right, right, through, right, right. and it's playing that. Shout tones by Ed Hardy. Shout Terrible tones. idea number four hundred and seventy-three. Really? Yeah, four hundred seventy-two. Do they think my fingers are here? Oh, you got you got a new BlackBerry there. I can't type anything, so if I text you anything. Every single word will be spelled wrong. Well, you find that, that's a new that's a new BlackBerry you have there. I got it yesterday. Nice. I had the Sidekick Two. You had the Sidekick Two for a long time, for like four years, and every time I brought it out, people thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know, I was still well, using it. Like, it's a hey. hilarious phone, Rob. Yeah, Where's your real one? Let me bring out my Sidekick. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I had the same like dual cassette recorder and and vinyl uh, uh, and uh, and record player for like. 10 years when I was growing up, and now if someone has a phone for like two years, you're like, oh, you still got that one, huh? Yeah. Oh, no, they don't have it. They get it, and they go, oh, crap, the new one's coming out. Yeah. yeah. Like, you didn't take this one out of the wrapping yet. Technology. The only reason I got a new phone was I was using my sidekick still. The volume didn't work anymore, so I would have to put on speakerphone and hold the speakerphone right to my ear. Mm-hmm. And even to barely hear people. Even the sidekick. That works, right? Even the sidekick knew it shouldn't be working anymore. It was slowly trying to poison itself. Yeah. Like, I got it. Yeah. Please let me pass on to the uh-huh. other side. All my friends are <laughs> I dead. I want to go. I'm so lonely. So I, anyway. let's see. I first met, I first met you in 1995. Uh, I interviewed, it was, it was what year that I got to work the Video Music Awards. Yep. Which was a lot of fun. And you, you interviewed were playing me, White we were Zombie. playing, and I remember we were, uh, Bon Jovi was playing Times Square, and we seemed to think that was very funny. <laughs> we thought that was hilarious. <laughs> we had a Even good in 95, we were, we were making Bon Jovi slams. Yeah, big time. Back in 95. Still seemed funny. And I didn't, I mean, I just, I didn't really know much about anything at that point, so when they're like, hey, you're going to interview White Zombie, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, random rock band, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then... Like when you're because uh, they say Chris Hardwick's going to interview us, man, eh, whatever, random MTV VJ guy. <laughs> no, sure. exactly. I'm sure you didn't have any idea who I was. <laughs> no, I did because I had seen Singled Out, and I actually had thought you had done the one episode where you were wearing the Devo hat. Yes, and I thought this show seems horrible, but that guy's actually really funny. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's exactly so what even, I thought. Even, yeah, you know, like like I could tell. I thought it was funny because you hadn't, you did not even slightly mask your contempt for the show no. or the contestants <laughs> no. in any way. Well, that show, or Jenny McCarthy or Carmen Electra. Yeah. Well, I, and I found know, that to be very funny. I, yeah. I did like Jenny and Carmen. The contestants, I was completely... No, I know. They, they were full of people that I... Loathed in college, it was just like this no, you kind made it of quite clear this kind episode. of frat, yeah. you know, like this yeah. Greek system fucking organism that was belched out by the asshole of the Greek system, and and, and so they they it was just full of those people, and I hated them all in college, and so I was just sort of the angry nerd who uh, <laughs> just started commenting under his breath into the microphone because I knew the people at home would hear it, but it was too loud on the set, so no, oh, one, could hear, no one could hear me I saying shit about them on the set. I'm like, this will get. I learned that pretty fast, Gee, but um. But but this, within within like five seconds of talking to you, I like my kind of the antenna went up and I'm like, oh shit, this guy's fucking funny. Like I and two smart asses that hate everything. That's right. <laughs> and and we bonded on that for years. We bonded on that, and then we did that contest in Indiana where they broadcast from some kid's house. Oh yeah, in that was brutal. And uh, <laughs> and we just ended up talking <laughs> about good on paper. We just ended up talking about comic books and movies and stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, Rob Zombie's awesome. And then and then we became friends. We became friends after that. Yep. And it was and then here we are. It's really sweet, you guys. Podcasting. Yeah. Podcasting. Where Look how far wrong. you guys have come with your friendship. Where did it all go? One day right? we're at MTV working at Universal. Chris. Now we're podcasting <laughs> from an abandoned building on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, your master plan to phase yourself out is almost complete. <laughs> Slowly, away. one project at a time. I'll make this business forget about me if it's the last thing I do. Podcast. Chris who? It is complete. And they just phase away. <laughs> now my training is complete. <laughs> Pretty soon I'll just be in my fucking garage with like a, like an Art Bell radio just fucking <laughs> talking about aliens. Um... <laughs> But uh, Art Bell, Art Bell. <laughs> I haven't listened to Art. I haven't thought about Art Bell in fifteen years. Well, now you have. Yeah. Um, so how does it? You guys, you've been in the business for a while now. You guys, I didn't realize your first album was in like '85, and I. Yeah. So what? Ha- like how? 
now that you've been now that you've been doing this for a while, how how has everything changed? I mean, what was what was 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 the music business in the eighties? Because people always talk about like, oh, it was awesome. They just threw money at everything, and now everything sucks. They didn't throw it at me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the secret to my success is doing everything the wrong way first. Mm-hmm. For I mean, I you know, I'm still the same way. Like, I don't care about anything. Yeah. Like I walk, I had a you know, I have a meeting. Like, oh, you're going into some big studio, have a meeting. I'll walk in for five seconds, and if I don't like the attitude, I'm over it. Yeah. Like, I just can't get with the, like, walking around, kissing everyone's ass, trying to get a job thing. I just... I totally agree with you, Rob. I can't it's, uh, it's Jonah, very... you're doing it right now. Oh, you're right, Chris. Jonah, now you're doing it to awesome. me. I'm, I'm really a dumb idiot, you guys. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, that's how the band started. Why well, I was oblivious to everything in the world and just kind of do your own thing. And somehow, I think more now than ever, though, I find I keep getting offered these weird, really, like, mainstream sort of directing gigs. Mm-hmm. And I think what they like is that you don't give a crap. That That's... Loses some jobs, though. Yeah. But I guess... Because you reek of you're too much trouble to deal with. And not because you're trouble. Like, you'll show up on time and you'll nail it, but you won't be a studio puppet. Right. Which is what they really want a lot of times. Yeah, they just want someone to, like, take the reins while they're not looking. Yeah, I mean, they really want to direct it and they really want to control it. And they just want you to do, jump when they say jump. I won't. I won't say any names, but didn't you say that one studio had asked you if you owed a lot of money on stuff so they yeah. could see if they... Yeah, they asked me if... Do you check have your a lot credit? Of, do you have a lot of debt? And I said, no, I'm, I get, I'm fine. I made a lot of money. And you could tell the look on the face was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> gonna... How are we going to control this guy now? He's not motivated by money. Wow. Yeah, because you guys... Do you need this? <laughs> How bad do you need this? How bad do you need this? Okay, this is $100 in my hand. We need I'll direct it. To need if this. you could go from there to there. No, but it's funny because I do see a lot of what, what, you know, certain studios and everyone knows which one that is. Um, <laughs> Their thing is to tie up young directors who are broke, for the most part, you yeah. know, they, and torture them. Mm. <laughs> Until their will totally is control their lives, to break their will and, and torture them. But they have nothing, you know, it's like they have to do it because, you know, if you're living in an apartment trying to pay your rent, you're at the mercy. Because you always think, like, oh, if I just do this, it'll make this work. Yeah. And it doesn't. I, I've, you know, I used to think it was you could get away with that a little bit. Like if you were like a team player, people would respect you and – be like, great, this guy's always here on time and he's ready to work. But they just take it for granted. It's more like if you're difficult and you go, you know what? Fuck you. I don't need your fucking movies. Like, we got to have this guy. Yeah, squeaky, squeaky <laughs> you know, wheel. It's really a drag, you know? Yeah, I always, I always go back and forth. Because, I, I mean, I try to, I pretty much try to be nice. I try to be nice to everybody. I want, I mean, I feel like work should be a fun environment. Like, this is. Me too. Yeah. Like, yeah. we get. Oh, and, and by the way, working on Corpses with You and Halloween was so much fucking fun because. You know, you you have the scene the way you write it, and then you go, okay, you guys just fuck around and have fun, and like it, it's a completely. Um, I think if everyone's having fun, like it will make the, the the outcome of like the product like that much better. Yeah. Or it's like if everyone feels comfortable enough to kind of like you know maybe submit an idea or like just feel comfortable just being around everyone else, like they will only make it seem better. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I end. mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter who gets the best joke as long as like as long as you get the best joke. As long as the best joke is on. It's screen. It's on screen. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but it's amazing, too. I mean, I didn't really realize that. I mean, that was always the way I looked at it. Like, whoever's got the best idea wins. Right. I don't yeah. care if it came from me. But, I mean, it's amazing. A lot of actors, they were so shy to ask, like, do you mind if I change this one word? Right. <laughs> you mean the? No. <laughs> I was thinking about but, pronouncing it the. But some people get that crazy, like, I want it exactly, you know, like this. And sometimes yeah. that doesn't work because just that person can't say that in a way that, Sounds right. It just seems weird. And when, when we shot Halloween two, um, the scene that I the thing that I did was with Malcolm uh, McDowell and and and, <laughs> and you call me and you were like, "Hey, are you still friends with Saget?" And I go, "Well, I haven't talked because Bob Saget and I were drinking buddies for a long time back in the old days. Saget and Hardwick tearing up the town." Yeah. <laughs> I have so many weird stories about just turning up after hours at a bar with Saget and running into, like, Dabney Coleman and Harry Dean Stanton, <laughs> who both were really fucked up, and Harry Dean Stanton drove anyway uh, oh, to wow. another after hours place. And then finally Bob and I were like, I don't think we can keep up with Dabney Coleman and Harry <laughs> Dean Stanton. But th- those are the old days. But uh, And I said, well, I haven't talked to Bob, you know, recently. And you go, well, I need, you know, like, I need someone who would make a great couch guest to, you know, to give Malcolm's character shit. And I go... Well, I've been hanging out with Weird Al lately, and you go like, "You gotta fucking call him right now." <laughs> and then, so you know, like two days later, he's on a plane and we're shooting the scene. But I loved watching Al nerd out over Malcolm. Yeah, it, it was. 
And I love the fact that Malcolm had no idea who he was. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Weird. Yeah, he, did. It's like, he takes you to like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> so Malcolm, uh, what was Malcolm like to work with? Because I found him to be a complete delight. But I know that if he doesn't like you, then he will tell you. I don't know. I mean, um, I th- I, before I worked with Malcolm, I was kind of like not sure. Because mm-hmm. you can't tell. You go, that guy could either be really funny and fun or he could be a terror. Right. But he's just been amazing every time. From the moment I met him, we, you know, we went out to lunch, we had a blast, and from then on, he's just like down for everything and just loves it. I mean, I can't imagine him being a problem. I really can't in any way. I mean, he's always was a blast and always awesome. He just seems but like then a guy- maybe he was just you know. I know some actors that I've worked with that first are a little weird, and then they and difficult. Then they realize, wait a minute, I'm actually having a good time. And then they totally shift their mode. So I think a lot of actors that have been around have been in a lot of different situations come in guarded sometimes because they go, well, this may be another fucking bunch of bullshit I'm going to hate, so why right. should I come? You know? Or as Danny Trejo likes to say, you know, sometimes I show up, I, yeah, I don't bring my A game. <laughs> I bring my B game. I can't do a good Danny, but, you know, he purposely knows. Wow. But, uh, no, Malcolm was always kick-ass. And- so, guys, I'm sure, I'm sure you're able to melt uh, David Caruso's... Uh- Stone walls. <laughs> well, Malcolm and Caruso, that didn't go down so good. <laughs> oh, shit. So in case, you, in case you guys don't know, Rob recently directed an episode of uh, CSI Miami. That didn't work so And much. I think it was, I think, I, I, my, my impression was that it took more of an emotional toll just directing one that one episode of television than like any of the movies. It really did. That you've worked on. I mean, it was, you know, it was a great opportunity. I don't want to say anything bad because, you know, um, Marco Black, who you might remember. Oh, was Marco like, was great. Yeah he's, the, yeah, he's a producer on CSI now, and that's why he called me to do CSI. And um, you know, it was a great opportunity, but TV's just not my thing. Because, but it's weird, you know. Movies, you build it from the ground up. It's your crew. It's your everything. It's your baby. TV's like, hey, I'm walking in there. These guys have been doing it for eight years, right? Yeah, and they're certainly not going to change anything in the next two weeks. Yeah. I, I want to hear. I want to hear a Malcolm Crusoe story. Is it? Well. Malcolm came in with the attitude, a fun-loving attitude that he was kind of going to torture him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had heard the stories about how David might be. So just, you know, the scene, <laughs> I don't know what he does or doesn't do on purpose sometimes, but just one of those things where, you know, when it's time to do David's close-up, they're on it. And when it's time to do David's close-up, Malcolm had already walked to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and everyone's like, oh, no. <laughs> Or, like, just stuff where, like, there was one scene where, you know, Horatio comes in and he's supposed to scold Malcolm's character. And I just took Malcolm aside and said, whatever you do, do not let this character get the upper hand on your character, no matter how hard they try in the scene. So they walk in and Malcolm's playing like a lawyer and he's supposed to be all scared and they're supposed to come in like, we're a Miami PD. And Malcolm's on the riffing on the phone, pretending, (laughs) pretending like he's talking to his girlfriend. He's like, hello, love. Ooh, what are you wearing? Oh, naughty little knickers. And he's going on and on and on. And Caruso's staying there waiting for him to stop. And Malcolm does it. He just keeps going and going. And he goes, hang up the phone. And he's like, he's like hang up the fucking phone. Whoa. And Malcolm's like, still does it. He's like, oh, kisses, love me. You know, and he's just going on and on. It was just hilarious. Caruso, McDowell. And you can see all the producers like, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, because you guys are gonna leave, and yeah. then oh yeah, and then we go in there and make them. a nightmare for everybody. And leave. But it, it was <laughs> stir up the, it was hilarious. Stir up the beehive. Yeah, it was a good moments. There was some good moments with Michael Madsen and nice. the members of the cast. Would you want to do a TV show, or is, is TV no. just <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Even if it was like your, like you said, like your crew from the ground up, and like everything. I think maybe if it was um, HBO or something, so you could have some freedom. But network TV was so uptight, we just couldn't figure out what to do half the time. Well, you know. let me throw these words at you. Rob Zombies, shipmates. We bring back <laughs> shipmates. I thought you said shitmates. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just yeah. usually hear well, it. Well, if it's on right. HBO, yeah. we can do shitmates. We could do shitmates. We could do shitmates. These two guys that shovel shit for a living. <laughs> I was it's thinking glass a... coffee table. And never mind. <laughs> I think it would be a really awesome show if we did like a reality dating show, but everyone in it was a supernatural creature. And so it was just like... And it's just sort of a it's just sort of a side effect of the world, but it's actually a reality dating show, <laughs> and the, the whole thing is shot on video, and it's just like you know, uh, just werewolves dating vampires and aliens and 
Frankenstein monsters. Ooh. Oh. Wow. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think TV would be weird just because doing the same characters over and over and over. I don't know. Drive me crazy. Because even when we did Halloween 2, at the end of that, we all kind of felt like enough Michael Myers and Laurie Strode for everybody. You know, you kind of just want to move <laughs> on. But... I wanted to see, you know, the characters from like I was when Devil's Rejects came out. I was so excited that those characters were coming back, and like uh, wanted to. I was like, oh, I just wanted, just I wanted the movies to keep going. Yeah. But I know that's kind of part of it, like you know, leave leave them wanting more. But like I just I wanted them to just continue. That one I always kind of wanted to continue a little bit too for some reason. I was that was more fun for some reason. Well, that's fun. Like that's a <clears throat> that's a super fun thing. British television does that all the time, where they'll do a series and then. The next version of the series will be a slightly different genre, yeah. Or we'll focus on another aspect of a smaller thing from the first series, and I feel like we don't do that enough um, in America. But it's a cool idea. I don't think we have the patience for it. You don't mm-hmm. think so? No. Then people are like, "I like this thing. Don't change yeah, it." They're I want too yeah. afraid. Yeah, I want two hundred episodes of just this episode. Smore I want Chandler to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's you know, it's, it's just a different. It's a different bag, man. Now, I always feel like I'm pretty busy. You are ten times busier than I am. How the fuck do you... I mean, you're going on tour in a couple days. Actually, you'll probably be on tour by the time this goes up. So you're going on tour. And I was looking at your calendar on your website. You're going on tour for four straight months. It's just four months of dates. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that are you just used to that or is it does it does it take a toll where you're like, ah fuck. Pretty used to it. It goes by fast. I mean, we used to go out and tour sometimes for two and a half years solid. Mm-hmm. Like, we wouldn't come back for two and a half years and that just became the way and then we're like oh that's a little crazy so let's just do a year and a half <laughs> you know that's why I always think it's funny when like sometimes I talk to not you but some comedians like whew did a weekend my god <laughs> thank god I'm home like, really actually I think I, I went did... to Chuckles for the weekend I think I, I think I think I did leave. we were trading <laughs> calls Chuckles. <laughs> we were trading calls once and I think I left like I think I left a crazy message on your phone at one point because I was I had been performing all weekend. I was just like, I think I'm freaking out. I don't know. This is a really <laughs> tough. And it was really just like, it was just like a week, a week's worth of shows. I mean, you just have to get into the groove, you know? It's like, it is like a circus. You just pack everything up. And even like last night, I was packing up my case. And I'm like staring at my wardrobe case like, well, I guess that's my house. <laughs> the next four months, this little Let's see. Underwear, crap. ventriloquist dummy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I went on tour for like a month straight once with a band. And uh, it's, it's weird because it seems like so daunting at first. And then, you know, a few days in, you just, it's just the constant motion kind of keeps you distracted from how long it's going to take. I would love to be able to just go out with a tour bus, but I, I go back and forth doing comedy dates. Yeah, and I mean, that's actually different. It's kind of cool, though. The one thing about touring that I find... I mean, if you're with people you like, it makes a difference. Yeah. If you're with people you don't like, that's hell. But, um... Like, when we're on the tour bus, and after we're done playing, we're just, like, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm or something. We're like, what a life is this? You know? It's like... It's like... Everyone can be 15 forever. We really don't have to accomplish much of anything. Does it feel... (laughs) hear that, kids? We just have to... You know, we have to hold it together for that hour and a half on stage and the rest of the time we can be completely useless. Now, as a musician who's had a bunch of hit songs, what I've always wanted to... I've never asked anyone this... What what is the thing like when you go to a concert and then you kind of want the band to play like one of the songs that you love and then they're and then they're they're kind of like nah fuck you I'm not gonna play that song anymore does it I mean I try to equate it with jokes but I guess I'm a whore because I always feel like ah, I'll just do whatever you know like I'll I'll say the old stuff well I think that I mean I've always been a big oops let me answer this excuse Sorry. me I'm just doing a quick sonata excuse me hello. Right now, Rob's Hey, I'm doing Chris's podcast, and this conversation's okay. part of it. Can who's I, who's Chris? One, one as soon as I'm done. Chris Harder from Shitmates? Oh. Okay, bye. Was it the lovely Sherry Moon Zombie? Yes, and she doesn't check her text as much as I do. So, Actually, if you listen to the Halloween... Malcolm McDowell likes to call a lot, and if you listen to the Halloween commentary track, he calls me actually while I'm doing it, and we're talking on the phone about doing it, so... <laughs> How's that working out? Love? <laughs> anyway, what'd you ask me? What'd we were just know? talking about like like playing the same, like playing the songs. And I, I mean, I've always been a believer in that. A lot of people get really pretentious about this stuff, but I don't. I think like if someone comes in and they paid their money, they only paid their money for one reason, and your job is to entertain them. Mm-hmm. If that means playing a song for three for the you know for the three thousandth time, some songs I think I've played that many times, they just do it. Yeah, 
And you don't go, I'm not up on stage for my own personal gratification. You're enter, there to entertain people. But I'm kind of like, I still think of it as show business. I think a lot of people think of it as their own personal bullshit. Right. <laughs> but I don't think of it that way. And I was just had a long conversation with Alice Cooper, who would go on tour together. He's very much like that, too. You know, he's like into the idea of show business. And I always thought we were sort of like kindred spirits in that way. And because yeah, he kind of really grew up at that that great time period where he was like friends with Groucho Marx and Mae West and was very much in show business. And I just think that's what you do. He's great. I, I He bought the O in Hollywood, didn't he, for yeah. Groucho? Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh. Alice actually did. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He, I, well, I worked at a golf course when I was in college, and he's a huge golfer, and yeah. he came to that golf course, and the only way that you knew it was Alice Cooper, because his hair was like back and tucked <laughs> under a hat, and he looked, he was dressed like a golfer, but his golf bag had his name dripped in fake blood on yeah. it. <laughs> like, oh, it's Alice Cooper. The best is if you see pictures of him from the 70s playing golf, and he's out there, like, the hair's down, he's in cut-off shorts, like, <laughs> some kind of, like, T-shirt, holding a beer, looking totally like Alice Cooper, but he's, you know, with, like, Bob That's Hope great. or something on the golf course. Well, everyone had cut-off shorts in the 70s. I think that was the only shorts they made in the 70s. Short, yeah. <laughs> but you, but I, you, you took me to see his show at the, well, now it's the Gibson Amphitheater, but he was at Universal Amphitheater before, and... Uh, and it was phenomenal. Like his, he's still super energetic on stage. Oh, it's great. I mean, he takes it serious, and it, it'll be a good tour. It'll be, it's going to be awesome. But well, I mean, is it's it just, just you two. Yeah, it's just the two of us. So we both do nice. a full set, full setup. Nice. But it kind of goes back. But I mean, just to finish answering your question, I mean, yeah, you just got to do it, right? I mean, that's why you're there. You're not there to not play the songs people want to hear. That's a total ripoff. Yeah. And even if you have new songs, it might be kind of fun to play. You got to go. Okay, we'll play like two. Yeah. I'm not going to bore people, you know, to death. Bathroom break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah, maybe you, the beer line's shorter now. I mean, you're <laughs> playing a new song. Your, your live show is pretty intricate. I mean, there's you know, like there's a lot of shit going on, like on on the screens, yeah, and yeah. then like like characters, like you know, like these massive robot characters. The last time I saw you, and I mean, I'm it, always afraid people are going to be bored. So I have like <laughs> that, you know, I gotta keep it like two seconds, and like if anything stops, they'll just you know, yeah, they're bored. They're bored. Quick. Do you ever Wire. look at ever, that thing? Yeah. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Robot and a note. <laughs> do you ever? Do you ever sort of feel like ah oh, fuck? This is you know because obviously, I mean even just doing stand up when it's just you and a mic, shit goes wrong. But when you have a band and characters and video and pyrotechnics and you know like you just sort of roll with it, I guess. I used to like get really upset if something went wrong. You're like oh man. You're like it was like the end of the world. Now I don't really care at all. Because the thing I realized is that nobody notices. Right. Like, like the guitar would go off for like four songs. And you'd be like, oh my God, that's the worst show ever. Then you'd ask somebody at the end, what about when the f- guitar went off for four songs and every single person goes, really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't even notice. I was distracted by all the shit going yeah, on I was the looking stage. at the naked dancing girls on the screen. <laughs> there was, was a robot. Music too. There was a giant robot behind you. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I should start touring with robots to dance on either side of me while I'm doing jokes. Agreed. There was a, pretty amazing. There used to be this guy. I can't remember what band he was before, but he, did, he was, uh, it was called Captured by Robots. And he was a solo guy with a guitar that had all his pre... Um, all the rest of the music was on a... Like coming from a sequencer, but he had two robots on either side of him with chains like connected to him, and like throughout the thing, in between each song, he like argue with the robots that would like like pull him from either side and force him to play music for everybody. So what band like was this? Uh, it was called ever. Captured by Robots, and I think it was one of the guys from that band Skank and Pickle. Like he quit Skank and Pickle and he just did Captured by Robots, and it's just like you should look it up. Like I think he did a tour with um, Man or Astro Man. Like some kind of robot, totally robot genius, tour. but it's just like yeah, like like it was just like. Yeah, By the way, I'm glad, I'm glad I had to ask what the name of the band was. What was the name of that band where the guy was captured by robots? Oh, yeah, um, Slippy uh, Sails. And the, uh, <laughs> Slippy Sails. And the Saladine Three. So, uh, what? I mean, I, I. What is it that you think that that drives you to stay? Because your your schedule pretty much seems to be. You know, like record an album, write a movie, direct a movie, go on tour, make another album, do another movie. Like, ha- pretty much. What is it that you, you know, like, why? Because I, I often wonder, why do I plan my life so that I have zero free time? What do you, what do you think that is? My That's theory is that when you do what you love for a living, what do you do in your free time? Yeah. Not do all the things you love to do. Like, you know, I right. mean, I can't not, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, because when I'm not, you know, actually, Writing music or playing music or touring or writing a movie or filming the movie, so I'd go insane. So that's just start out of the projects. Like I have a new comic project that's coming out next month, and that was because I had five minutes off and kind of <laughs> started losing my mind. So I was like, oh, let's quick start a project. I just can't. Be- I can't bear the idea of not having a reason to get out of bed to work. Yeah. And I always thought that it seemed as if I hope this theory holds some water, but that the people that worked until they died, like 
George Burns, Bob Hope, they live forever because yeah. you can tell, Jesus, I'm late. I got a gig, you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm 99 years old, but uh, I got to be at the Sands. Right. But I see when people retire and they go from 60 to 80 in a month. Yeah. Like, yeah. Johnny they, Carson. They don't even know how to. Seriously. Yeah. No, he really They have did. no reason yeah. to, you kind of have no reason to live. I mean, I live for what I do. That's all I really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have to force myself to. I mean, I do like take time off now because that's what, when we moved out of L.A. But even then, it's like I look at like, wait, great, I got a month off. I can watch like 80 movies <laughs> and recharge my battery. You know, like that time to suck in more influences and just ideas and things. And you don't – there isn't really – I mean, from what I notice about you, there isn't really anyone who works really directly under you. You pretty much do everything yourself. Yeah, I got I, – I, I, I mean, starting off, you have no money, you have no nothing, so it's right. just like the punk rock thing. You do everything yourself. You make the flyers. You plaster them on the wall. You run from the cops when they try to bust you, and you just stick with that attitude. And then when we signed to Geffen, I thought, oh, great, we're signed to Geffen Records. It's going to be a whole team of people doing everything for us. <laughs> and I quickly realized, no, there is nobody's going to do anything. I mean, because you walk in these offices and you look around and go like, nobody at this office could give two fucks if I become a rock star. Right. And yeah. give a shit who I am or if I do anything. And that's when I was like, oh, man, if you want to make it happen, you better do it yourself. And now I'm just figured out a way to do everything myself. I mean, I have like a small core group of people that I three or four people that between those three or four people, we can pretty much accomplish everything. But I was funny, yeah, because people always think like, you have like this office of people and it's basically me like this yeah, <laughs> doing it myself, but it's better that way. And you always, and, and I feel like, I feel like movies were kind of always the thing. It seems like movies were always the thing that you wanted to do. That music was just sort of, was that a side thing or what? Cause you were, you, you literally have every horror movie ever made in your house in LA in a, in a giant closet of DVDs. Yeah. It was always everything though. I mean, I was, I kind of tried to keep that, uh, it's, I think sometimes you can really benefit from being completely naive as to how the world works. Because if someone explains to you the reality of what you want to do, you go, forget it. I can't do that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to be an astronaut. Um, <laughs> I <but> will. Astronaut! <laughs> astronaut! Everything wrong except the deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, it was the jerk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I failed everything but the date of birth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had that little kid mentality. When I was a little kid, I, you know, you have those books when you're a little kid. You put your first grade picture and says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you fill it out. And I wanted to make movies, do music, make comics, and have monsters around. Like, this kind of like crazy ideas. And I just sort of stuck to it. Really, like, why can't I do everything? Because people are like, well, you can't do this because of that. I go, well, why? Who fucking gives a shit? I can do everything I want. Yeah. And, and you, you went to school for graphic design, though, right? Yeah, I went to Parsons School of Design for a year and a half. And the day the teachers, the teachers brought in their work mm -hmm. was the day I just zoned out. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, because I thought, like, oh, my God, I suck. This guy's like a genius. He's telling me my work is this, that, and the other thing. Oh, my God, I'm not good enough to be here. And then he brings in his work. And I'm like, you fucking cunt. <laughs> that fucking bullshit. You like hot glued a fucking fuzzy piece of shit to a piece of carbon. I'm out of here. Nice. It was a joke. It was a real eye opener, though, as to what a scam it was. But it was worth it because the, the only people I learned from, there were some other kids there who were so phenomenally talented that you go, oh, shit, this guy's like, you know, 18 and he's brilliant. So that's really was what, it's, what I got out of school. And uh, do you do you feel like it's better to, you know, because when you're st you're starting in the '80s, it's not like, hey, I have all this home recording equipment that doesn't cost <laughs> any money. <laughs> like you really kind of have to get studio time, and you have to, you know, like it's expensive. It's more expensive to start to start doing that stuff in the '80s. Yeah, I, I often wonder if it's, uh, yeah, I mean, like making movies was impossible. Like we made some like in the '80s when I was in high school, but it's like just to get the camera and the film and develop it was like. Where am I going to get this money? This could cost up to $40, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a nightmare. And same with recording and everything else. I mean, in the early days of White Zombie, we would do all kinds of fishy stuff. Like some of like, this band left their gear backstage, and I have the keys. <laughs> so we'd go steal it. Nice. <laughs> like horrible stuff like that, you know? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, look at I am. So if you're out there, failed band. Yeah. If anyone's <laughs> amp was zombie. missing from a club in 1984... Yeah, I'm starting the band White Zombie Stole My Fucking Gear. <laughs> All the songs are about so how White Zombie So you just kind of do whatever you got to do. Uh, 
Um, I was so broke, I remember when we signed to Geffen, I would treat their lounge as if it was a supermarket. Go in with a knapsack and just be like... (laughs) (laughs) And then I would take all the CDs, like Guns N' Roses and stuff, and just go directly to Aaron's, which is gone, but that's how I lived off selling the catalog out of the Geffen closet. Uh, I remember... uh, It's weird, every time that whistling guy comes around, uh, (laughs) the closet's empty. uh, When I was working at a record store in Venice Beach, like, there would just be guys, uh, like, bands, they just broke bands, like, they would just come to bring their CDs, like, just the... Like, all the promo discs. They would just, like, load up and just... We would sometimes not have to buy new uh, stock because, like, we knew they were going to come in and just, like, backlog all of our... All the the barcodes are punched out. That totally happened. When I worked at K-Rock in L.A., the interns would take the uh, just crates of the the promotional CDs. I did that at the the college radio station. Uh, I didn't go to college, but I used to hang out at the college radio station in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I I started hanging out with this one guy. Then he made me the co-host. And then sometimes he would just wouldn't show up. So I had my own radio station without having to go to uh, you know schooling. Nice. Uh, but like I remember, like they would get rid of a bunch of their like you know CDs. And I would just nab them, tape, put them on a cassette tape, and then sell them. Sick thing is I still do that. Oh, you still- <laughs> I still do that. Yeah, like we're like I'll go like, hey, there's like ten boxes of one sheets for Halloween too. Put them in my car, <laughs> and I will sign them and sell them on tour or something. Nice. I once a. I don't know. Well, at least Penny Pinch are always a Penny Pinch. Yeah, yeah, I know, but at least, but at least in that case, people who come to your shows are getting something cool. Well, that yeah, they I mean, want. they see something ready to go in the dumpster, and I see like a pile of money sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Small like sells tons of stuff, like because he gets so many like promotional things for Metalocalypse. Oh yeah, he now just like is like constantly on eBay, just like selling stuff that he signs, like you know That's drumsticks genius. and just whatever. Worth it. I should start. <laughs> I should start selling the Chris Hardwick hosting mic. Well, let's get a little <laughs> microphone with my picture on it. Totally. Yeah, like, be just like Chris Hardwick. <laughs> Even though I don't hold a mic on yeah. camera at all. So I think if you once never had any money or was paranoid about it happening again. Oh, yeah, I'm so constantly always, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm I, I live I mean, like they say that about Leno, like he's you know, he's he's got hundreds of millions of dollars, but he's still he's still like I yeah, kinda I get it. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't spend the tonight show money. Yeah. money. And Groucho Marx was another guy that was that was always paranoid because yeah. he lost a bunch of money in the stock market. Yes, yeah, he, he did. lost a lot. He was the only one who had any money left. Afterwards, like, yeah, Harpo and uh, whatever. We can go to the Marx Brothers later. <laughs> no, we can always talk about the Marx Brothers. Words. Are you ever going to make any? Uh, are you thinking because you made um, El Super Bisto, which was uh, super fun to the, Mike and I did the Mike Furman and I did the music for that. Hot and firm, hot and firm, tearing it up, Tor- tearing it up. <laughs> do you ever? Uh, do you think you'll ever make like a live action comedy, or do you? Is it something you? I would like to. I actually, my I sort of had a three stage plan with El Super Bisto, and I thought like. Make a comic book, turn it into an animated movie, and turn the animated movie into a live action movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tried to cast everyone who kind of looked like the part they were playing. Yeah. Thinking, what if you made this live action movie with the same people who did the voices? Uh, yeah. Of course, uh, you'd have to cool. put Tom there Papa in like some kind of muscle <laughs> suit. <laughs> but other than that, everyone else kind of looks the same. Get him away from the marriage rep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Please. I have, to go be a, I have to go be a filthy wrestler. <laughs> Fuck a lot of porno chicks. <laughs> Tom's great. I I, I love. Uh, yeah, he's, what? he's, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. Is Marriage Ref still on? I don't know. Is it? Yeah, it is. I just saw it. Has it ever it. really been on though? <laughs> no, it has been on. Mm, has it's on it, television? Has it though? Yeah, but Jonah has though. Hasn't it? Didn't? Well, I guess since you put it that <laughs> way, that, that contraction at the end really well, sold. See me. you guys later. <laughs> is anything ever really on? <laughs> what do you uh, what do you say to someone? Just asked me the other day. It's a, a, you're like, oh, what do I do if I want to start? Hosting stuff, and I'm like, I I don't know. Make a hosting reel. Make a like you can put stuff on the internet now. Why don't you just yeah, no, make it, stuff? Yeah, that kind of goes back to what you're saying. Like, what I think. Some, I don't. I wonder if you know what I think. It is a little bit, and well, like, what do I know about anything? But I feel like when it was harder to do stuff, that immediately separated some people who were never going to do it. Right. You know, because it was already so hard to get to point a that it got rid of half you know now anyone can start shooting their little web videos and it kind of like floods it with people of you know there's some talent lost out in there probably but you know it it just it doesn't thin the herd quite as much as it used to because it used to really you know quickly like hey we got to get in the van and drive to minneapolis I quit. <laughs> you know, Can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep my job at 7-Eleven. I quit. Like, is, any little hardship would make people quit, and now it's a little easier. But um, I don't know that all that stuff helps. I think it just. And Here's when the- anyone asks, it's funny. I had the same conversation with Wayne yesterday about this. When people are like, I want to do effects for movies, and I just, I'm almost felt that 
as soon as someone asks you for advice, they're not going to do it. Right. The people who are going to do it are already doing it. Right. I never asked anybody anything. You probably never. I mean, just do it. Right. Those people somehow instinctively know what to do. They know. They don't hand you their demo. They they don't tell you about their non-existent projects. Or they just try stuff. They just try stuff. I mean, people just just do it. People always say Nike had a good idea with that. (laughs) I think. I think. I think starting stand up is probably the easiest thing of all because all you have to do is just start doing it. It's easy, but it's frightening. It is frightening, but I mean, just as just in terms of like logistically, it's it's yeah. You just show up with. You don't have to assemble a crew. You don't have to shoot anything and edit anything. You just. You just start going up. I found it harder to start stand up than it was for me to ever like start a band growing up. Like starting a band, it's just like it's like this is fun. It's like hanging out with your friends, but yeah. you have a th- something to show for it. Like stand up was such a like it's such a lonely, solitary thing. It's like I'm just going to go to this open mic at this coffee shop by myself on Pico. Yeah, and, and then it I'm is just largely gonna, and I can't blame it on the drummer if it goes exactly. Badly. That's the thing. That's <laughs> what, that was the weirdest part about going from like just growing up playing music to like doing stand up. Where it's just like if you fuck up, you can't go. <laughs> oh no. Like, you know, you're just by yourself up there. Back me up on this guy. Ah, there's nobody back there. Yeah. Lonely. Well, yeah. It does seem really hard. And it is, it is, it's also unrewarding, too. Like, you, you have to, and I f- I'm sure this is true for you, too. With anything, you really have to be in love with the process. Because that's the, like, the goal at the end isn't really going to always be the thing that's rewarding. And sometimes there is no goal at the end. Yeah. Right? You know, you just have to do, this is the way I always looked at it. And I think everyone who does it does. You do it because you have to, and if you can't do it, you would rather be dead. Right. Yeah. Like if someone says to me, oh, what if you couldn't do music? I'd rather be dead. You know, like <laughs> I do it because that's what I want to do. It, it's not because of, like, th- that's the only thing that fuels the reason why you feel like you're alive. And I felt like that as a little kid. Like these were the things I was so obsessed with, and if I couldn't have these things, I didn't care about anything else yeah i remember like like there was a thing in school once where it's like uh would life be like worth like you know it's like would life be as exciting if it weren't for music and i remember i was like one of the only kids that put like no and the kid's like what what do you mean i was like imagine like star wars starting and then right when it says star wars it's like it's just nothing it's just the like you know blink and instead of like you know yeah so the music coming in like it makes things that much better and like like any kind of art and entertainment will always make things worth living yeah, you know? I mean, I think I a truly, tree. this probably sounds, people will think this sounds stupid. I think that the only thing that makes life worth living is art. And people that have that always seem excited to be alive. And the people that don't, they get that kind of like, they always seem disappointed in life. Like, well, getting a new car really didn't do it. And yeah. having kids really didn't cut it. And working in that <laughs> factory didn't. You know, but it's like, it's just because the art kind of creates something the potential of something greater than yourself that you will always be yeah. striving for that you'll never achieve no. you, the psycho perfection that you want that you'll never achieve are you have you do you have you sort of made peace with that or do you feel like do you still emotionally reward yourself along the way because it's really hard because when you're constantly critical of what you do of, of your own work and you're constantly critical of oh this didn't go right how can this be better i mean like do you ever kind of like well i feel yes in the sense that and i think that you 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 suffer from this badly i noticed that you will never finish it because you think you can make it better. <laughs> and then it just doesn't happen. I mean, not right. always, but I mean, remember when we were talking yeah. about making a comedy record, I was like, Chris, I just saw you be fucking hilarious. Yeah. Just fucking record it. Yeah, this yeah. was, yeah. Well, that was, yeah. those were in the old, Done. these were in the old drinking days. Rob offered to produce a stand-up album for me like seven years ago. And I was like, okay, okay, but it's not ready yet. <laughs> and then, and then ultimately the opportunity just passed because his relationship with, I think it was Warner Brothers, records it was some it was geffen i think it was geffen and so uh and so it just i I was just so worried about it being perfect that i just never i never finished it and i mean fortunately i've changed a lot since then and you know what i was the same way like it'd be and i think what made it change for me was if you do something long enough say you've been making music for 10 years and everything that you fucking hated that you did 10 years ago you don't listen for a long time you go back listen you go like that was actually kind of cool. I don't know why I was beating myself up over it so hard. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that with the movies and anything. It's like you just uh, – it's and then you go, Meh. Sometimes you can't realize what it is. And what you hate about it is exactly what someone else likes about it because it's such an intangible quality that you'll go, no, the reason I liked it is it sounded like shit. It just yeah. sounded so different. Yeah. yeah. Like, Sometimes oh, people are... I was trying to mix it and it came out terrible. I'm glad, yeah. you know. Yeah. It just, it just Sometimes shit comes out lo-fi and that's what people like. You know? Yeah, and then you make it all perfect and like, man, nah, I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also what I've realized is it's better to, you know, it's better to make stuff and then 
I mean, obviously, it, you should want it to be. You should want it to be good. You should work. You should work hard on it. But, but not getting to that sort of that that sort of perfection fantasy, because you make stuff, and then if it's not perfect, then you learn from it, and then you the next thing you make is you know I'm sure your your learning yeah. curve between movies was oh, yeah, no, amazing. I mean, it, yeah, I mean totally. And I mean, if you felt you got it perfect, then I figure like I guess quit. Yeah, <laughs> if it's perfect. And I think the other thing too is that you you have to decide like well who. You're making it for two different people. Like you can secretly, I don't know, see what you've done and go, eh, I see all the flaws in it. I'm going to fix that next time. But keep it to yourself, basically. Yeah. Because someone else, and I always notice that with every record. If I go, this is the best song we've ever written. Everyone goes, yeah, that song kind of sucks. Yeah. Then there's this other song I think is total crap. They're like, that's the greatest yeah. song I you've should ever written. in a minute. Yeah. Why? And then you just go, there's no, it doesn't matter because they, they have same no perspective thing. on it. And same same thing with jokes. Whenever yeah. I write a joke yeah. that I think is, oh my God, this is going to be this a slaughterhouse. The, yeah. It always dies. And then the, like the sort of thrown out there stuff is what people hook on to. And I, and I, I guess I... I guess it maybe it comes from a different place in my brain. Stuff that I like might be too inside my own head for other people. Yeah, and or maybe it's just not the time for that joke to hit, and it'll seem I don't know. It just it's, I think there's a real danger in overthinking it. I know a yeah, lot yeah. of people, and I probably used to do that, but I've gotten over it where like they overthink it to the point where they don't even do it. Yeah, because they talk themselves out of it. Whatever yeah. happened, I think oh, I just thought about it too and decided yeah. not to do it. Do you still get up in the morning? Because you know, for a while you. At least when you're writing the movie. I don't know if you're doing this when you're not working on a movie, but you would get up, you know, you'd wake up at like five or six and just start writing. Yeah, I still do that because I figure that once I, if I get up super early and write, I can always like solve all the problems I, the night before. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Because this, your brain just does, does seem fresh. I guess you're refreshed because you slept. But then if, as the phone starts ringing and the dog's barking and you have breakfast and you get done, you know, answer a few emails, you're like, oh, forget it. My brain's like, yeah, screwed now. Yeah. So it really is just a little bit of just working a little bit at a time without necessarily. I mean, I always think of everything as like baby steps because sometimes people go, well, how'd you get all this stuff? And I go, well, if you get up every morning and you wrote two pages, in two months your script's done. Yeah. yeah. And then if you just keep doing it, like, it's weird. But you think, but a lot of people I know that have that problem, they think about the having the script done. I go, well, that'll make you not do it yeah, yeah. you just gotta do it and tomorrow there'll be two pages four pages ten pages twenty you know and that's just basically how i do everything because sometimes if i do look at the list of things i have to accomplish at any given time where it's like i gotta finish the script i have to design all the merch for a tour i gotta do the songs gotta write this and it's like oh, yeah, yeah. my brain yeah. hurts looking at the list but then i realize, well they're not all due on the same day right <laughs> You know, that's what we'd say with movies, because sometimes on the movie set you get overwhelmed, but then you go, well, we only shoot them one day at a time. I'm not going to worry about this scene that's not what I'm going to get to for like three weeks. I'll worry about it on the morning when Al Weird Al and Chris show up. That's right. <laughs> David Allen getting things done. Which was a complex scene. He says you got to break things down into bite-sized chunks. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So that's my time management. Hey, what uh, I, I I always love talking to you about those early Comic Cons because you you went to Comic Cons when you were a little kid. Oh yeah, they were funny. What were they like in the in the early seventies? What were the Comic Cons like? Well, I proto one, proto nerds basically. Well, the first one I ever went to, I went to a Star Trek convention in Philadelphia in nineteen seventy six. Nice. So that was like seventy six was kind of <laughs> like um, yeah, yeah. Philly in seventy six. Like that's the place right. where you want to oh, be. Oh, it was the bicentennial yeah. con. So, no, oh shit, nice. Yeah, so I have the program book, and it was all bicentennialed out. And I still remember. Let's see, patriotic was, nerds. Yeah, and and that was like the boom of Star Trek, the second wave. Remember when the Mego action figure time period was around seventy six, when it kind of hit huge in syndication. That's mm-hmm. true. And I remember it was. Uh, I was so thrilled to be. It was George Takai when he had long hair and big sideburns. Oh, yeah. The, like, we used to like that it's style. It's Takai. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Matt. Just to... You're right. Nerd and fight. A, you're right. And Nerd apology fight. not accepted. Who's there? Uh, Grace Lee Whitney and, like, Harlan Ellison. Janice Rand. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was pretty crazy. And then, so what, what, what were the... Because now there's... I mean... But I actually found all the pictures I took with my little camera. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, these are even weird. I look, you know, at George Takei with his <laughs> huge white bell bottoms and everything. Wow. Doing magic tricks on stage. Did you stage. dress up? <laughs> this Wait, the, George Takei was doing magic tricks on some stage? some other guy because they had a magician. Like, they had all this weird stuff. Like, they had, like, acid rock bands and, like, space outfits playing. They didn't it know was, what to do in those early 70s. It was the 70s, and they had just yeah. started this thing. It well, I mean, like, obviously, it's the, the Comic-Cons are totally different now. Yeah. And, like, every major studio was there promoting every major oh, thing. Oh, then there was almost nothing to buy. Nobody was promoting anything. It was just like, hey, this is my fanzine. And just wow. people, just nerds trying to connect. 
Yeah. It was awesome. I loved it because that was at the point. This sounds so bad, pathetic nerdness, but, you know, like you're in school. You can't relate to anything. And then you go to this place where everyone's fucking weirdo and no one gives a shit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Wow. And there's no internet, and the only way that you can connect with people is to go out of, you know, to drive an hour to fill to Philadelphia. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about like the the punk scene when I first started going to punk shows, which is like uh, I didn't yeah. get along with anyone in school, and then like I randomly go to a show at a cafeteria like on a Friday night as high school in the next town, and like it was just like holy shit, all, dude, I know that band on that shirt. Like yeah. it was just it's like fun, going to a place where you all of a sudden find this community. Yeah. It's a good feeling. I, I don't know if kids will find that anymore though with the internet. Do you think that'll happen? Well, I think Find it, they find it on the internet. Well, I yeah. think they just take it for granted a little bit more. I think yeah. that that's the one thing about the internet that's really bad is that, you know, like when I moved to New York, that was that feeling. Like you go to New York, you're like, oh my God, everyone's a freak. And the more freak you are, the more they like you. Yeah. As opposed to like people making fun of stuff about you and you can't even figure out like, wait. There's two stripes on my Adidas, so I'm gay. I don't understand yeah. what's happening here. Sorry, I have a giant yeah. cock, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But so sad. So sick of being made fun of for that. Yeah. So sick of it. Yeah, it looks like a soup can, okay? <laughs> it looks like two soup cans. Sorry. Women don't want that good. Arizona iced tea can. But now I think that that forced you to get out and go find those people and move away from your shit small town and do something. And I think in a lot of ways, I know a lot of people where the internet, it makes them not feel so alone because it's so easy to connect to those people, but you don't make them really. Go out. Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah. sort of like feel safe from the comfort of your bedroom. And I think it just, it actually pulls you deeper into a hole. Yeah. Not everybody, that's not saying everyone, but I'm saying like, you know, for me, it was, I was shy and withdrawn and would have just been happy to do that, but it, you go, well, I don't want to sit around here with some fucking asshole who doesn't ever talk to anyone. I'm going to force yeah. myself to get a life. Yeah. But sometimes the internet lets you not have to get a life. Yeah. yeah I have this theory that those, those big-eyed little bald uh, aliens that, you always, that people always see are actually future humans. <laughs> and that's how that we too. evolved. I those giant that. eyes from staring at screens and the big heads because we're isolated and don't have to deal with each other. Very pale and thin. Yeah, isn't, that one of the, one, isn't that one of the theories, though, that like, that's a way like they yeah. time travel back and... That's the theory I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Yep. <laughs> Wait, if that's the case, you're listening then we to the really Art Bell Show, bringing it around, Jonah Ray. <laughs> I just brought it around to Art fucking Bell. Wow. You get him on sometime. See, I thought he got abducted. What? I thought he got abducted. He got <laughs> abducted. Oh, he got abducted. Abducted. <laughs> <laughs> So, anything else? Fun? What, what are you working on uh, next after the after the four month tour? Do you write when you're on tour, yeah, or do you just I focus on tour? No, I write. Yeah, because I have to. Because everyone expects me to come off tour with a script, which I which I always do. But what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? Some days I just feel like I don't know if I could get through this. Thing. I usually do this. I kind of sit there for a minute and go like, Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I usually do. You do need to take those moments though. Like you do need to take like you know like just a moment to just go fuck. Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know? Yeah, I mean, because you really don't have. That like especially if you're in the middle of directing a movie, sometimes you do feel overwhelmed because you. I think it, what happens too is you're not sleeping. Yeah. Because you're working like 18 hour days and stuff, and sometimes you just have to go in your trailer and be like, Ugh, and then need it on set. Oh, God, here we go. Game face. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I've had ready. time to pee that one. Uh, Action! Yeah. Action in the crowd. <laughs> Background. <laughs> pantomime people. Pantomime. <laughs> oh, this food is really good. That's a joke that would only work for us. I realized before I got into it. <laughs> I was about to do the bad background extra. Yeah, pantomime yep. jokes don't work so you're, you're not, not, on not, internet not, radio. That's so good. That's good for audio. Um, well, uh, this has been awesome. I, I thank you for. Was that a quick hour? Yeah, that was a quick hour. Oh, what, what are you working on? What are you working on after the tour? That's what I asked. Um, you. I'm well. I'm. What am I? What am I doing? Um, basically, trying to figure out what the next movie is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in the. That's part of what I'm doing here in LA for the next couple of days. I want to go lock down. Like, okay, because I have several projects and I don't know which one is going to go next. I want to go. Okay, I know this is next. So when I come off tour, here's the script done. Boom, go into production on that. Probably early 2011 though, because the touring will probably go till November. Yeah, because there's more to come than what was out there. I got to ask, um, what's some of your favorite horror movies in the past couple of years that have come out? Um, I tend to always avoid going to horror movies for the most part. It's yeah. like really something I've kind of like burnt out on. Yeah. Like what I did mean, you think I, of Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell or did you see House of the Devil? I didn't see that. Drag Me to Hell I didn't get. Like people were like, oh my God, oh my God. And I watched it. I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. 
I thought Let the Right One Win was really cool. Oh my I god, that, that was amazing. The 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 was yeah. it the Swedish the Swedish vampire yeah. movie? They've already remade it. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah. Um, I think it's just called Let Me In. They changed the title or something. Get me in that house. It's starring Chris Tucker as a vampire. Uh, <laughs> Let the right motherfucker in. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Let me in. Do you understand the things that are coming out of my mouth? I'm curious if, because obviously, you know, there's such a, and then we'll and we'll wrap it up and let you go. But there, there's such a drive now for people to just be famous. Like that's what kids in schools are just saying they want to be famous. Yeah, and you know, is there anything that you would say to people like? Once you once you sort of achieve a certain level of fame, and it might not be exactly what you think it's gonna be, like what? I don't know. What? what, what I mean, I never did anything because I wanted to be famous, right? You know, I don't think any, but I don't think you did anyone. You did it because you love comedy or you love movies or you love music, and you go, well, if I make some money and someone gives a shit who I am, that's a bonus too. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of like a new kind of. We're talking about the bug-eyed aliens. That's kind of like a new creature. People that are just famous for being famous. Yeah, like, you're famous because you have too many kids. Right. Great. Yeah. Can't wait to see what you're up to in 20 years. Uh-huh. You know, right. What's your next project? Yeah. Oh, more kids? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good. I wouldn't call a pregnancy a project in development. That uh, <laughs> seems to underscore the gift of life. I think the problem all those people are going to have, unless they're already rich, is who the hell wants that kind of fame with no money? Yeah. yeah. That's like when you see you know, like Joey Buttafuoco riding the subway. Like, yeah. yeah. Don't want to be that guy. Boy, he really let himself go. Oh, wait, he always let himself go. Oh, wait, he's not really famous for anything. <laughs> His yeah. whole life was letting go. <laughs> yeah, don't you find yourself doing this all the time? Like, who is that? Oh, what do they do? Constantly. Yeah. I yeah. guess Snake they just shop on TV. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. They have. I don't. I still don't know what that Justin Bieber, 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 Berber kid does. Berber. I don't know what he does. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I think he's. Takai. I think he's. Takai. Takai. Bieber. As in Takai. Uh Well, good luck on the tour, and um, hopefully I'll catch up with you uh, this summer at some point. I mean, you, you don't even live in LA anymore. No, you, you can come out to the lake and rock out on the jet ski. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rob taught me how to jet ski on yes. a ski do. It was really awesome. It was basically. Grab this, squeeze it, and hold on. And don't die. <laughs> I like on. the water that shoots out of the back. Although I did take Janet out for a fast ride. Oh, my girlfriend <laughs> Janet, yeah. catapulted her off the back. <laughs> and she was laughing because I think she thought, ah, he knows what he's doing. But uh, I was like, oh, oh Yes, I know what I'm it, doing. Take it below 70 miles an hour on the turn. Let me just <laughs> turn. The, I'll just make a U-shape, and we'll, uh, we'll collect the lower part of your leg over there. <laughs> and... Uh, We'll reattach that, that somehow. Hurt. This was no boating accident. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect way to end. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Close the beaches. Thanks, Rob. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.